This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, May 25th, 2023 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and since it is a Thursday, we have Luke Guerrero back with us. Thanks for being here, Luke. Excited to be here on a slightly cloudy day. Slightly cloudy, very cloudy. <clears throat> We've, we're stuck in May gray here in Southern California, but nonetheless, we, uh, we power forward through a very challenging market, but uh, our job today is not just to focus on the market gyrations. It's about making you a better investor. And we're going to do that through our perspective of uh, my over 20 plus years of investment experience and really give you the insight and the data that you need to become more informed. Right? We're, not the, we're not going to be the last stop in your, in your journey. Shouldn't be the only place you're looking for data and perspective, but hopefully we can be a valuable one. And uh, this is a forum where you set the table. We can blend today's uh, comments with uh, your questions, and that's what really this is about. You're, you're the one that sets the table, like I said. Uh, so anything that's on your mind, give us a call, 888-99-CHART. We don't pre-screen our calls, so when the live calls come in, we just get an instant message and we go to work and use our, our tools, our data, and really give you the perspective and viewpoints that you, that you need. Now, the most important aspect of the process is really weeding out the emotions, avoiding the pitfalls that are often emotional, emotionally based, uh, and focus on the task at hand. And so we want to teach you the habits, the best practices, so you can eliminate counterproductive habits and quicker, quickly realize your, your goals, which is to achieve financial freedom. Now I'm ready to take your questions now, and you've got to call. 888-99-CHART is the number to get through 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But if you're listening live during our four to five live stream program, Pacific time, then you can call right now. Now my focus point looks in the story behind this question. Why is crypto acting like a risk asset again? And we're gonna dig into that story, look at the recent market gyrations and answer that question, okay? We also have some other topics. One is in regards to a time-tested approach to understanding whether credit will contract, really, or will, will expand, uh, and whether companies or individuals can kind of stay afloat. And there's a simple, uh, simple, simple formula that we'll go over, take a look at where we are today and the recent past. Also, bank deposits. Bank deposits uh, were, were viewed as this great value that banks had, literally on their balance sheet. And the recent banking crisis has kind of upended that thought process. And then lastly, we're going to look at the mechanisms to refill the SPR. So those are the topics that are on the docket for us, but also your voice bank questions are ready to play as well. 
One is on money market funds and KTB, Cantor Brands. So we have this all planned for today's episode of Invest Talk. So give us a call. Your live calls are welcome at 888 chart Now, let's take a look at the market today. It was a decidedly negative day for risk assets overall, uh, but you definitely had some strength in the NASDAQ. Luke, NVIDIA was a big after hours, right? They blew out earnings and the market reacting reacted accordingly. Is uh, Do you think this is something that will be long lasting? I don't believe so. You know, it wasn't just NVIDIA that did well. You saw semiconductor companies up anywhere from 6 to 15% even all across the board. And really, it's it's indicative of what's been happening this year. If you look at the contribution weight from NVIDIA to the S&P's 88 basis point uh, gains today, it was 53 basis points. Mm-hmm. This is pretty much what we've seen this year. A handful of names have pushed the S&P higher, while a lot of the market has been down or flat. Yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to kind of pre-2022, right? Last year was the reversal of, uh, of that in a big, big way. And you've kind of had this this retrace. And the big question is, uh, I, I think this could be kind of that blow off top um, to where there is that that strong outperformance on that end because uh, I do think at the back the back end of the year uh, the commodity space will, will do much better. But right now we're still in this kind of grinding market and still the debt ceiling is 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 uh, hanging overhead and it seems like they they're talking about June first, which is next week, right? A week from today. It seems like they're going to be able to push that off a little bit longer, maybe all the way to the end of June, if they can get to, I think, June 15th, right? Because that's the deadline for tax receipts. Yeah, from what I understand, a lot is dependent upon uh, how much tax how much tax revenue they bring in versus what the estimates are. Mm-hmm. I know one of the big hits to tax revenue was the fact that California's tax deadline was pushed out to October. So that really was what brought mm-hmm. the June 1st deadline up from when they thought it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So I think June 1st is the conservative uh, time frame, which we definitely want to be conservative with these types of things. Uh, yeah. We want to we want to know what's going on. Um, but hopefully it can be pushed a little bit further. But I mean, everything indicates they may be nearing closer to a deal, albeit a little slowly. Yeah, it's always going to be slow. And, and uh, eventually, as I've said many times on the show, that they'll come to some uh, agreements that will probably not be accepted well by either side. Um, but I guess that's a negotiation process. That's the definition of compromise. Exactly. Now, we are going into a quick break. So please remember that you can call anytime and leave your question on the Invest Talk Voice Bank or if you're listening via the live stream on AM 1220 radio in the Bay Area, you can call right now at 888 99Chart. The KPP Premium Newsletter won't guarantee your success but it can help you become a smarter investor. And here's good news. From now through Memorial Day, each new subscriber to the KPP Premium Newsletter will get a free copy of Steve Peasley's book, Above Average Investing for the Average Investor. That's right. You listen to Steve and Justin on Talk, and now for a limited time, you can receive a free copy of Steve Peasley's book, When you subscribe to the weekly KPP Premium Newsletter, you'll get an up-to-date analysis of current market conditions, two stock ideas that Steve and Justin think you might want to watch, and tips on how to properly manage your portfolio assets. Learn more and subscribe now at kppfinancial.com. And please be sure to tell your friends and family members. 
Talk podcast is made better by your questions. So don't forget to call. And if you've never called, Justin and Steve are waiting now for your finance and investment questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Troy calling from Michigan. I just picked up a position in Contour Brands, Wrangler Jeans, uh, Lead Jeans Brands, KTB. Picked up a position looking at the numbers. I'm still trying to learn the numbers. Looks like they got a lot of debt. I want to know what you think. And what do you think about the fact that I bought 3M at the top and it's all the way down? I just plan on a long-term hold for it. Do you think it'll ever come back to where it was? Thank you very much for the program. I appreciate all you do. Good day. All right, let's talk a bit about the first one you discussed, which is Contour Brands, Wrangler and Lee Jeans. Obviously been around a, a very long time. And earnings have flattened out. They earned uh, a ton of money during the pandemic, uh, $4.29 in 2021, $4.48 last year, so let's make $4.52 this year. Uh, so very slow growth as of late. And analysts are downgrading those estimates uh, fairly consistently as of late yields 4.8%, which is nice. But as you said, you know, they have a, a, a decent amount of debt in their balance sheet. I don't think it's too much of a worry. Their uh, times interest earned is about 9.4 times. I don't think that's really an issue. Debt to equity ratio, about 2.8, not too crazy. And their payout ratio is only 45%. Uh, what worries me though, Luke, is that free cash flow has now turned negative trailing 12 months. And that's the thing that would make me pause and say maybe those earnings numbers are a little too good to be true. Yeah, I agree. You know, their profitability has gone down over the past two years, which is never good. But to your concern about debt, I don't necessarily think that's the red flag. I agree with you, Justin. It's the free cash flow because although they do have quite a bit of debt, um, like you mentioned, their interest coverage ratio is not too high. But also their debt to equity has been going consistently down for four or five years. Yeah, so they, they've taken their cash flow that they were making during the pandemic and, and like you said, paying down some of that debt. Um, so that's a positive. And, but, but I just don't love really the business. And if you look at the chart here, it is clearly in a downtrend. People are buying less pairs of jeans and this is consolidating negatively on the chart now below all the major moving averages. So um, it just doesn't really appeal to me on, on many aspects of slow growth and the, the poor chart and poor relative strength. The nice 4.8% yield, is, it's something, but once again, dividends are simply an asset allocation choice. And it's really about the underlying strength of the business. And last quarter, revenue's down 2% and earnings down 17% year over year. Um, so I'm gonna pass on Contour. What about you, Luke? Yeah, I would pass as well. Yeah. Now you asked about 3M, he bought it at the high. I don't know what that means exactly, but you know this continues to power lower and there's uh, the business is slowing clearly earnings are expected to go from uh, nearly eleven dollars in 2021 all the way down to eight dollars and 63 cents this year uh you know you don't want to just wish that it gets back to its old high i think so many people do that right they say oh i'm just gonna hold it long term and try to get back to even that's not a good way to think about it and 3m is going through their issues uh are they cheap enough i think it depends on that lawsuit remember i don't know if you remember that luke but they have a, a lawsuit was it in regards to military earplugs isn't that what I it think was so yeah yeah and i think they were trying to spin off that unit and get kind of out of that potential liability but the judge ruled against that um so i i, I see i see that as a name that until further notice until there's some clarity on that lawsuit i think it will continue 
lower, but it is at some decent long-term support, but not a name that I would be uh, hitching my ride to. Now, my, our focus point today looks into the story behind this question. Why is crypto acting like a risk asset again? And after a great first quarter in the crypto land, uh, prices have, have retrenched a bit. Not nearly, they're still up pretty dramatically on the year. Bitcoin down to 26,552 as of uh, this recording. And it looks like, what was the high of the year? Right around 57.5, is that what? No, let me go to a longer term chart here. There we go. Yeah, 31 and change earlier this year. Um, you know, why is it acting like a risk asset again? And that's what the article is asking. It, it's always a risk asset. Spoiler alert, it is a risk asset. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's, it's going to diverge uh, from time to time. I actually look at it more as a proxy for liquidity. And that's the way to look at it. Uh, and, you know, gold is similar in the fact that it's a, it's a proxy uh, on liquidity uh, a bit. But I see this as something that is, I won't say it's a wake-up call, but, you know, realize that it's going to have massive volatility. And if you're not okay with that, then you shouldn't be playing in that realm. Um, do you think this is an indication that liquidity is starting to uh, kind of dry up after uh, getting a nice surge last spring or last fall, excuse me? Potentially. I think the reason why this is top of mind is because if you go back to uh, you know, earlier in the year where it was close, more closely trading with gold, and people are thinking about how gold traded in the wake of the U.S. government credit downgrade in 2011, right? Mm -hmm. The concern is, does Bitcoin continue to trade like gold, go up if the U.S. gets downgraded and the market goes down, or does it act like most risk assets will? I think I'm with you in that right now this is indicative of the liquidity situation in the market and that it is a risk asset, therefore it will trade like a risk asset. Yeah, and risk assets tend to ebb and flow with liquidity. What's interesting, though, with me, though, it, it, with me is that it's traded a lot like the tech stocks, and it's kind of diverged recently. You know, uh, this had a really rough 2022 Bitcoin, uh, really peaked in the fall of 2021 at around what was that, sixty-three thousand or so, and sixty-nine thousand. End of the year last year at sixteen thousand five hundred. Yeah. And now it's at 26.5. It's a nice rally, but still well, well off its highs from late 2021. Um, and it's always been kind of correlated with that growth side of the market. And same this year. So this maybe is this an indicator that uh, a leading indicator that this surge in the tech stocks is maybe long in the tooth? Oof, I'm never going to use Bitcoin as a leading or lagging indicator of anything, but certainly I think the correlation is there, right? Yeah. The way we've seen it been that we've seen it trading, and what what you and I and what a lot of investors expect to happen within the tech space, um, given what's going on with with rising interest rates and and potential liquidity flowing through after the debt ceiling is raised, um, it, it could be indicative of that. Yeah, and and this recent move in Nvidia it kind of feels to me like a little blow off, a mini blow off top, maybe a final blow off top. Who knows um, of and that in this divergence here where these tech stocks continue to kind of grind higher over the past couple of weeks, but Bitcoin is starting to roll over. So uh, I'm using it as a leading indicator. We'll see as we get into the back half of the year. Now we're heading into a break. I welcome your finance and investment questions now. No question is too simple or too complex. You set the agenda, so give Invest Talk a call at 888 chart
one of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Hey, uh, this is Chris calling from Missouri. Uh, I just had a quick question about money market funds. I currently have a fund through Vanguard with a large sum of uh, cash that's in the money market fund. Just have that readily available to to make any purchases of stocks uh, and other securities. But I guess my question is, uh, should I be concerned with the amount that I have being insured by CIPIC because the fund itself is not insured by FDIC? It's probably close to a quarter million dollars. So I just, just want to make sure that um, the money is safe with Vanguard. I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks again. Bye. Well, CIPIC insurance only protects against fraud, okay, and doesn't doesn't uh, protect against loss of the investment. With investment va- value, of that investment goes down. So I wouldn't be relying on CIPIC. Now, the big question is: is will the money market fund quote unquote break the buck? And during the financial crisis. Uh, a few funds basically did, and that kind of ch- upended the industry. And there's a lot fewer money market funds that don't just buy treasuries. Uh, most of them are f- most of the money now is focused on uh, treasury money market funds, or just buying uh, treasuries, which you know historically is something that you wouldn't really have to worry about, Luke. But uh, with the debt ceiling, maybe that's more of a risk than your traditional money market funds that are investing in commercial paper, no? Yeah, that's one of the big concerns if if we were to breach the debt ceiling and the value of those securities went down so much is that you would have a widespread issue with money market funds breaking the buck. Yeah, because uh, basically if you if, – if money – people are pulling money out of those money market funds, those securities that the, theoretically that they're holding – uh, will not have enough value to uh, to make those redemptions. That's in theory. I don't think in be theory. That being said, it's not as though all of U.S. government debt would default. It would yeah. be just that on the most recent or the next upcoming date. And yeah, I would. That's not enough really to make these funds break the book. Yeah. So uh, the long and short of it is, I don't know which Vanguard money market fund that you're in, uh, but I don't think you really have to worry about the safety of them. Uh, there's I always say this, that the last crisis is almost never the next crisis, right? Look at, just look at the housing right now. Look at, look at where rates are and what's happened to the housing market. Housing market, it's struggling to a degree, but is it crashing as everyone predicted? No, because uh, the lenders aren't lending in a stupid fashion like they did pre-financial crisis. Um, and the money market funds in this case are uh, due to legislation uh, mainly they're prevented from taking too much risk in the commercial paper market which is what uh, what got them in trouble during the financial crisis so uh, the vast majority of them i don't think you have to really really worry about um so don't think it's sipic that's saving you it's more of the regulation post financial crisis okay thanks for the call now let's pivot over to talk about a 
a complex subject, but in some ways a very simple one. And there is an old book, very large book called Capital in the 21st Century. It's uh, written by Thomas Piketty. And in this book, he basically argues that when you have the cost of capital exceeding the real sorry the return the real return uh, on on capital exceeding the real return on uh, economic growth the real rate of economic growth that's when uh, the inequality rises and you've had that over the past uh, decade plus and a, a variation of that is basically when nominal interest rates exceed growth that's when the economy kind of gets in trouble and for uh, pre-financial or during post-financial crisis you had interest rates very very low we had pretty decent growth for a while until recently. And if you look at the first quarter, annualized real economic growth will be about 1.1%. Nominal growth, remember not stripping out inflation, that's gonna be about 5.1%. And that's about in line with the Fed funds right now. So basically what it's saying is, you have the cost of debt equaling the, the rate of growth. And now you're starting to cross that threshold where problems can arise. Yeah, and that's something that's not just problems for individuals, right? If you think about what that means for an individual's pocketbook, if interest rates are higher than wage growth, that means that individuals can't earn enough to keep up with the interest they're paying on their revolving debt. Mm -hmm. But individuals aren't the only ones with revolving debt. Mm -hmm. Large corporations have revolving debt. And so now there's some worry from some corporate treasurers about how difficult it's been to issue new debt in the in the past quarter. Yeah, and it's even more acute in the in the in the corporate world than on the individual level because the vast majority of people who have debt their debt is on a 30 year fixed mortgage and as we've seen with people being rate locked most of those are sitting at about 3% which is fine right the nominal growth of the economy is 5% carrying cost of that mortgage is typically 3% that's a situation that typically is sustainable but as you said, Luke, that once the cost of debt really rises uh, uh, much higher on the corporate side than the growth of the overall economy, that's when uh, the, the, the vast majority of the re revenue increase just simply goes to paying, those, uh, paying, that debt, paying that interest and then not to workers, right? To pay them more, for example. And in next year, there's a large amount of corporate debt that needs to be rolled over and at higher rates. And so some companies are getting kind of ahead of that with corporate credit spreads uh, uh, kind of uh, small right now or, or shrinking, but that could easily widen out next year as the demand for capital is going to go way up. All right. Now we're heading into a quick break, but we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, 
you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Now, on the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question. Can you recession-proof your portfolio? Could be worth examining how various asset classes have performed during economic downturns. That story tomorrow. Now, here's a reminder. Now is an especially good time to subscribe to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Now through Memorial Day, that's Monday, each new subscriber will get a free copy of Steve's book, Above Average Investing for the Average Investor. And that's when you subscribe. And when you subscribe, you get an up-to-date analysis of current market conditions, two stock ideas that Steve and I think might be worth keeping on your watch list, and tips on how to properly manage your portfolio. Now, you only have a few more days to take advantage of this offer, and you can learn more and subscribe at investtalk.com. Now, let's pivot back to the InvestTalk Voice Bank. This one came in earlier from 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. Thank you for all that you do. It's very educational. I'd like your opinion, please, about T. Rowe Price, T-R-O-W. I'm down 15%, and I'm wondering if it's time for me to make an exit or to hold on for the long term. And if you have time to answer about international paper IP, I'd appreciate your opinion about it. Thank you so much. All right. Two very different companies. T. Rowe Price, it is a manager of many types of mutual funds. And it's about a $23 billion market cap. The last four quarters, earnings have been down. Revenues have been down. Why? Because this is really a hyper 
hyperexposure to equity or just asset prices in general, right? If asset prices are falling, that means the value of the funds that they manage are following. They earn a percentage of, of those assets. And thus, that's why their earnings have fallen from $12.75 in 2021, where asset prices were soaring, to expect to be $6.73 this year. Their biggest headwind is obviously indexing, index funds. They, they manage actively managed funds, as opposed to index funds where a lot of money is flowing. So I don't know, Luke, to me, the chart looks pretty poor. Earnings trends are pretty poor. Uh, but if uh, asset prices do recover in a big way later this year, next year, maybe you're going to get a, a much stronger rebound in a name like this. I mean, it's possible, but you also have to remember there's other dynamics here going on as well, namely that even though it's an actively, most of their funds are actively managed, uh, expenses are shrinking. Mm-hmm. You know, people are charging less and less every day mm-hmm. uh, to manage people's assets. And so you have fee compression along with the fact that things aren't popping like it was during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, is what's, this is what's happening to their profitability and their cash flow. Yeah. So that's why I would be, uh, I think it's going to continue to underperform. If you just uh, take this and plot it against, say, the S&P, for example, this has been in a downtrend. Let me go back to a weekly chart. Yeah, I mean, it just continues to be in, in a downtrend really ever since the high in August of 2021. So I would pass on it. Uh, I think that uh, that overhead cost is going to be, uh, and that fee compression is going to, uh, it's going to be tough. And so I would pass on that. Uh, international paper, very, very different type of company. They make paper products, as you would imagine. Been around a long, long time. The technicals are also very poor. Earnings just be on 25% this year. It's a fairly commoditized business. Uh, and uh, the profitability looks like that reflects that type of business. Right, Luke? Yeah, it does. And, and like you said, what really strikes me is for the next eight quarters, all I see is red in terms of uh, you know where their expected sales and, and earnings per share is going to move. Yeah, so... Uh, I would also pass on international paper. I think both uh, are not that attractive right now. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Jeffrey in Alabama. Wants to talk about AT&T. Hey, good afternoon, Justin. Uh, Appreciate your program a lot. Uh, I'd like to get your opinion on AT&T Corporation. I've got about a 5% position, and Mm. I'm locked at about $17 a share. So what is your... Uh, opinion on that? Well, AT&T is part of really uh, an oligopoly, shall we say? Uh, Verizon, AT&T, and now T-Mobile here in the U.S. And T-Mobile has been stealing the market share from AT&T and Verizon for some time. And AT&T has a lot of debt on its balance sheet. Had about $150 billion of net debt with a market cap of $108 billion. So highly levered. It's a very capital intensive business to run a wireless network. A lot of towers, a lot of AT&T stores that you have to operate. So that's really the challenge here is you're losing market share. And uh, if that's the case, it's spreading out less revenue across a network that is continuing to be more expensive. And they're trying to roll out 5G, which is expensive as well. So um, that's what's, what's happening here. Luke, do you think they can turn it around? Do you think it's cheap enough at $15 and change? It's pretty cheap, but you know, I, I will say what you don't want to see in a business is 
its net income shrinking with its debt going up for four or five years in a row. Um, and I think you mentioned that you were locked in at 17, but I, I think as a as a general principle and a general rule, never think of yourself as locked into an investment because mm-hmm. of your purchase price, mm-hmm. because then you miss out on opportunities uh, for other investments that maybe you could have better returns with. So never never think of yourself as locked in. Yeah, there's always the opportunity cost of that capital. Yeah, you might be down, but you can also say, hey, uh, maybe I take a loss if it's in a taxable account and I move on to something that's better. Now, can they turn it around? You know, historically, when you're in a very competitive industry that's very capital intensive, that tends to be a pretty tough business to be in. Uh, I just think of it kind of like the auto industry, right? Auto industry is the same way, very competitive. You have a, a handful of players. And it's very easy to switch from one carrier to another in the telecom business or from one car to another in the auto business. And both take huge amounts of capital, a lot of a huge install base, whether that's uh, cell phone towers or that's the manufacturing facilities in the car business. And both long term, they tend to be rough businesses. Now can ebb and flow and you can have good years and bad years, but... I just think there's better opportunities out there. So uh, I think you should move on and take that opportunity cost, cost elsewhere. All right. Now let's, let's go over to talk about banks. And banks have been in the news over the past five months or so. And there was kind of a long-held belief that the deposit base for banks was pretty sticky. And in fact, the Fed... Federal Reserve even took into took that into account as a value to these banks. And it's called the franchise value of deposits. And this doesn't typically appear on banks' financial statements, but they do talk about it in their earnings reports. And it, there's not a standard way to calculate this. And the banks use complex models to estimate the value of the, basically the amount of deposits that are likely to remain put. And the number is often higher than the bank's total equity. So it looks like their balance sheet is safer than it really is. And the Fed even said as of late that the value of the bank's deposit franchise uh, can increase and that provides a buffer against these unrealized losses. But you've seen with Silicon Valley Bank, Luke, that it's maybe not as sticky as they had hoped. Yeah, I think this is just another in the long line of lessons that financial complexity and something that should be simple is not a good idea. Um, So you have balance sheets and your balance sheet should clearly show what you have. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the Fed and banks in general were banking on the fact that people who were giving their deposits to banks wouldn't go and search for higher yield. But this isn't 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. This is the age of online savings accounts mm-hmm. where it's just as easy as transferring your cash to your Apple card and then you can put it in your Apple savings account. Yep. So times have changed. And I think the assumptions that they had and the complex mathematics they used to calculate balance sheet items and talk about stability of earnings is coming back to bite them. Yeah, and, and it, the environment of zero interest rate deposits lulled a lot of people to sleep. Right, because no people didn't have alternatives for a long period of time, and their alternatives were either a quarter percent or half a percent, which really wasn't worth the effort to move the money. And it, in the same way, it lured, 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 uh, lulled the average person to sleep. It kind of lulled the uh, the regulators to sleep, thinking that oh well, 
they haven't moved their deposits for a decade, why would they move their deposits now? They're just too lazy to do it. And in fact, like you said, it's a lot easier than than it looks uh, with technology. Uh, going to buy treasuries, for example, through treasurydirect.com. That's something that's 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 relatively new since the last time interest rates were, were something. Um, so that's something to, to, to think about. And like you said, uh, Apple, uh, I have it now um, where I can deposit money from my bank into that my Apple card and get, was it 4.15%? Yeah, 4.15%. Right and that's the thing. You said that they thought people would be too lazy to do it. But the reality is today you can be lazy because you can sit on your couch and you can still do it. Yeah. It's so no longer, you don't have to be proactive. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. The, the idea of a bank run has taken on a new life. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can have a bank run for, while everyone's sitting on their couch, uh, right? You can get up in the morning, grab your phone, and suddenly move your entire deposit from one bank to another without seeing lines at the bank. Um, so it's a very different environment. It's, it's very interesting to see uh, that these banks are still quoting their EVE. Right, which is uh, their equity value of, of deposits. So uh, I, I think this is a new world and you don't know how to anticipate human behavior in this new world. Because the last time, like I said, that there were deposits, the technology wasn't, or if there was interest on deposits, the technology wasn't the same. So uh, it's, it's very interesting to see that, that's why I say that these, these bank, these bank looked cheap based on what their quote unquote earnings are, but I don't think they're great risk versus reward here, especially those smaller banks. Now, Steve and I have been telling you for a while that we're in a new market environment and cycles are a natural part of almost everything in life and the stock market cycles are no different. Bull markets, bear markets, everything in between, right? Cyclical bull, secular bull, and, and vice versa. Serious investors need to understand how to adjust their thinking and strategies to fit these times. So if you need help understanding whether you're on track, whether your strategy makes sense for your goals and your risk tolerance levels, don't hesitate to reach out to myself or Steve at our company KPP Financial, where we operate the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. And we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air and we practice parallel investing, which means you invest right alongside our clients. So if you want to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting, just send us a message through investtalk.com. Just click on the portfolio review button in the top right corner. Fill that out and we will get back to you and get you on the calendar. And the sooner you contact us, the sooner we can help you get your portfolio optimized. Now, next up, we'll tackle another question. So hang on. The KPP Premium Newsletter won't guarantee your success, but it can help you become a smarter investor. From now through Memorial Day, each new subscriber to the KPP Premium Newsletter will get a free copy of Steve Peasley's book, Above Average Investing for the Average Investor. Learn more and subscribe now at kppfinancial.com. Steve and Justin are always ready to provide their unbiased answers. But you've got to call 888-99-CHART. Uh, yeah, good morning from Maine. I have a uh, question about bonds, uh, bond uh, with PIMCO, and of course bond prices have fallen. What do you do? Do you keep keep holding the uh, holding on, or do you wait till the, their portfolio begins to mature, or do you sell, or what do you do? What's your thoughts on that? Okay, thanks a lot. Bye. Well, are you talking about a bond fund or an actual bond? Typically, if you're talking about PIMCO, PIMCO has 
dozens of bond funds. So that's probably what you're talking about. And bond funds have dropped precipitously uh, over the past 18 months or so as interest rates have, have gone up. And so the question is, what's your viewpoint on interest rates? Uh, I, I really need to, would love to know what bond fund you're talking about to know what type of exposure it is. Is it exposure to treasuries? Is it long? Uh, is it short? Is it corporate bonds, muni bonds? I really need to, to, to know what that is. Uh, but, but as we talked about before with opportunity costs, what could you be doing with that money? Um, and this is why I don't love bond funds, um, at least with an individual bond, you can hold to maturity, get all your, your par back, but bond funds, you could have permanent loss of capital. If, uh, there's a lot of money flowing out of that fund sell and, and they're selling at those bonds at, at a low price. So uh, I would worry about having a bond fund. Um, what do you think, Luke? I mean, what do you, what should he think about to decide whether he should stay in this or not? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it differs greatly on whether or not it's a fund or an individual bond. Let's say, you know, let's talk about if it's an in individual bond just in case, right? So like you mentioned, if you hold on to that bond, you get it to maturity. You know, I think bonds are probably the most efficiently priced of financial instruments, right? Because their price is based upon their time to maturity, their coupon value, and then the prevailing interest rates. Yeah, it's very It's, it's pretty, pretty simple. simple. Yeah, the only variable that is kind of up to interpretation is really the, the credit risk. Exactly. Involved. So when you're looking at the you know, intraperiod price of a bond, if you're going to hold that to maturity, it doesn't mean anything to you. You're still going to get the coupon that's in the bond covenant. You're still going to get the principal back, assuming that the company doesn't default, which if it is a bond of the company, PIMCO, it's probably not going to default. So no. you're kind of safe there. So if it's an individual bond, just keep holding it to maturity. I don't see a reason why not to. If it's a bond fund, that question becomes a little bit more complex. There's a lot going on there, right? You're, just, buying, you're owning Dozens and dozens of dozens and dozens of bonds, but then you also want to take a look at not just how that bond fund is performing, given that all bonds prices are going down. Mm -hmm. How is it performing relative to its competitors? Mm -hmm. How much are they charging you? Mm -hmm. There's a lot that goes into whether or not you should change funds, but I don't think that you should change funds or money managers or anything like that just because a short time period performance is underperforming or negative. Right? We're worried about the long run here. Yeah, yeah, and all bonds are down over eighteen months, so I don't care what type of exposure you have in the bond market. If you own bonds almost to any degree over, over the last uh, two years, you're going to be down. It's just a matter of to what degree and whether uh, that exposure makes sense going forward. So uh, maybe call back, give us a little more specifics on what you own, and maybe call us live. Uh, or maybe do a portfolio review and I could go over uh, that holding as well as others. Okay. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So give us a call at 888 chart Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Kevin from Florida. I have a question about the container store, TCS. Just wondering what your thoughts are on this company. It seems like it's been a downward trend over the last uh, several years. But it's at a, a nice uh, low point at this at this stage uh, with a really low PE. It does have positive earnings. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are. Do you think it'll rebound from here? Thanks. All right. This is the 
container store and they absolutely crushed during the pandemic. Earnings were 30 cents in 2020, but in 2021 they made a dollar 24 record amount. Last year made a dollar 65, but uh, this year actually they have a weird looks like they have a weird annual uh, year. Is it end in the first quarter? Uh, I'm showing it, but basically their earnings are falling from a dollar sixty-five to expected this year of twenty-one cents, down seventy-two percent, and the stock is down accordingly, down about ninety percent from its high back in early twenty twenty-one, and this is another one of those potential debt stories. Market cap about one hundred fifteen million, and they have roughly two hundred million in long-term debt. They're Still have, they still have positive free cash flow, but it is dwindled dramatically and looks like it's on the precipice of dipping into negative territory. Do you think it will, Luke? It might. You know, I think I think the caller mentioned it's at a low point and it could be interesting, but it's it's only ever at a low point until it gets lower. Yeah. And it, this could be one of those cases. Yeah, and, and when you're looking at these type of names, uh, you want to really look for an indication of some sort of capitulation and reversal. And I will say this over the past week, you have had a sign of capitulation and that is pretty major volume down at these levels. Really the highest last week was the highest volume on a weekly basis since geez, uh, February of 2022, February of last year. So nearly 18 months ago. So that could be a sign that everybody and their mother's throwing in the towel. But you are still going to have to have the business turn around. And cash from, cash from operations is $60 million, which is kind of where it was pre-pandemic. I think that's the, that's the, the positive here is that, yes, the, their business has reverted to the mean, but it's just back to where it was pre-pandemic, which wasn't a gangbusters business, but it was still profitable and it was still, still decent. Um, so it's starting, in my mind, actually, Luke, as long as... I would need to do a deeper dive in their balance sheet to make sure that there's no uh, major risk of bankruptcy. But this recent capitulation does perk up one ear. But I would need to see a reversal on the uh, on the chart to say to get that other ear to perk up as well and really pay attention. Um, so definitely one to to keep a, an eye on, but not something I would jump in quite yet because it is still very very high risk. Over seven hundred and seventy million dollars in total liabilities. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. So are they going to be able to get through that yeah, potentially? But you need to do a much deeper dive. And remember, this is the Container Store. They help with organizational products. I love and the Container Store. You love the Container I Store. I just Luke. not sure I love it as a as a, as a business as long. Yeah. And most people use that when they're buying homes, and buying not not as many people are buying homes. So uh, I would probably stand the sidelines for now, but keep an eye on it. All right, let's pivot over to the strategic oil reserve, strategic petroleum reserve, excuse me. And last year, the Biden administration authorized the sale of 180 million barrels, and they sold at an average price of about $95 per barrel. And now oil prices are hovering in the low 70s, and that's right in that range between 67 and 72, where the administration said they're going to start refilling the strategic oil reserve. Now, there are four reserve sites near the Gulf Coast. They have about 358 million barrels of crude. That's down from 593 million barrels at the beginning of last year. And the administration previously said they're aiming to buy about 60 million barrels. And this has been kind of a, a, 
a reason for many energy investors to be optimistic of oil prices kind of having a floor. And so far, it kind of has. Do you think that will they'll actually follow through on this plan to buy? Well, the problem is, is it's incredibly complex. When yeah. you're talking about these quantities, you're mm-hmm. asking when you're asking somebody to offer a bid for what you're what they're willing to sell it to you for, they have to hold on to that while they await your decision. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people aren't comfortable. They've been marking up a premium. It's gone outside the range. So they've kind of had to go back to the drawing board to figure out how best they can go about making these purchases. Yeah, because when was the last time we had to refill this amount of the strategic oil uh, petroleum reserve? I don't know if it's can't happened. make it one seventies maybe maybe yeah. um, so uh, they're they're learning learning on the job learning the hard aren't we all aren't we all all right we're head, uh, that'll, that'll about do it for Luke Guerrero I'm Justin Klein this completes another Invest Talk program thank you for tuning in and you can download your show anytime at iTunes Spotify or Google Play and be sure to rate and review independent thinking showed success this Invest Talk good night Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. Thank you.